Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Today I'm going to share, I think your bulletin says process of faith, but I kind of change it to element of faith after thinking about it. Uh, uh, again, I thought maybe as you change it to element, it feels more like element of faith than process. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about the process of faith. Uh, I want to talk about faith today because faith is the cornerstone of Christian living. Uh, faith is so important. Uh, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to walk with God, faith is the number one condition to walk with God. Uh, God responds to faith. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. What God saw in Abraham was faith and God was pleased and God declared Abraham righteous. Because he trusted God. He had faith. So faith is important. We also know that any, anywhere Jesus saw faith, he stopped and recognized it. Have you noticed that? Anywhere he saw faith, he made sure he pointed it out. Uh, he made sure he highlighted it and said, this is faith. In fact, to somebody he said, I have never seen such a faith, even in Israel. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to make God happy. All right? You can have every other thing. If you don't have faith, God will not be excited. Somebody once said, faith is what causes God to recognize one man in the midst of a crowd. Crowds were following Jesus. They were touching him. They were all over him. Somebody touched him with a touch of faith. And Jesus knew that was a different touch. And Jesus stopped and he said, someone touched me. The disciples said, what are you talking about? People were thronging on you. And you said, someone touched me. Jesus said, no, I know a touch of faith when I, when I see it. So Jesus really knew when faith is involved. Romans chapter 4 verse 23 says, Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Wow. In fact, he was saying, eating that is not from faith. Eating food. Even eating food must be done from faith as a believer. So faith is critical. And today I want to really try to explain what are the elements of faith because sometimes we throw words, faith around, it's hard to wrap our mind around it. Uh, I don't mean you will know everything about faith today, but hopefully uh, you are more enlightened than you came. Amen. In Mark chapter 6, verse 6, the Bible says, Jesus marveled by their lack of faith. He was amazed in a negative way. He was, he was like, wow, I can't believe people don't have faith like this. So 
Faith is critical. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read a few verses there to explain to us, you know, uh, you know to, to get into what I want to talk about today. I'm going to look at five elements of faith. Hebrews 11 is considered the chapter of faith in the Bible, right? Uh, it chronicles patriarchs of faith, men of faith, people who have done exploits by faith. And the Bible chronicled all of them. We're not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to read about Abraham from verse 8. The Bible says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of a place which he would receive as an inheritance. So Abraham was called from a place, right? He responded by faith because he wasn't sure. He trusted God. He trusted the promise God gave to him, and he left. He left his parents, he left his family, took his wife, and by faith he obeyed. So obedience that is done out of faith is also very notable. Sometimes there are obedience born out of fear. Sometimes there are obedience born out of, you know, just showing off religious beliefs or just motion. This is an obedience that is born out of faith. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, I want you to notice, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. So Abraham actually left his familiar ground and moved to Canaan and lived there as a foreigner by faith. Now God promised him, I am going to give you all this land. It's going to be yours one day. It's going to be yours. It's going to be to your descendants. It's going to be to your descendant, descendant forever. Now, so Abraham obeyed and he started dwelling in that land as as in a foreign country. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. So he gave back to Isaac there and Jacob there and the heirs with him of the same promise. And he passed the same promise to them. Now, Abraham eventually did not really physically inherit that promise. His children did, and he knew this is for future. So he passed this promise to his children. He passed it to Isaac. Look, let me just walk you through the land. Let's get into a horse. Let's drive around. From here to here, the Lord promised me before you were born, is going to belong to us. I'm just painting it so you know how crazy it sounds, right? All right? So make sure you don't move out of here. Just stay here as a proof that this is going to be ours. So there are heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city that has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. You know, it's kind of a picture of heaven in a sense. So, you know, so he, he stayed there. Now, I want to move to verse 13. Verse 13 of that passage, Hebrews chapter 11. These all died in faith. So both Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they died in faith. That is, they actually did not physically receive that promise. And let's see that. These all died in faith, not having received the promise. All right? So they did not physically receive that promise, but they didn't doubt it. They believed it. 
and they went to the grave with it, knowing that this is what God said, and it's going to come to pass. You know? But having seen them afar off, see, they only saw the promise afar off. I mean, they only saw it with the eye of the Spirit. They saw a day when, you know, this is going to be theirs. In fact, one of, ja, one of Jacob's children, Joseph, when Joseph died in Egypt, he told them, make sure you don't bury me in Egypt because we have a promise of a land that is going to be ours someday. So take my body, make sure you go bury it in Canaan. That is how much they believed that promise. So, and they saw them. They saw them afar, from afar, and they were assured of them. All right? They were assured of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. So as I was reading this, I saw these are elements of faith. So if I really, really want to explain what faith is, I see five words here that describes a life of faith. And if you go to that verse, please go back, go back to the verse, uh, verse 13, please. Go back, I underline them. The first thing you see there is the promise, right? The second thing is to see, right? The, the next word is they were assured of them. And the next one is they embraced them and confessed them. So I'm going to look at those five words there as key elements of faith. So if you want to walk by faith, those elements must be present. The first one is the promise. They had a promise from God. You see, faith must be based on God's promise. See, real faith is not based on even needs. No, it is God's promise. It is when our needs, our needs coincide with God's promise that there can be real faith. Praise the name of Jesus. All right? If you have a need that is not promised by God, sorry. You can't apply faith for that. But the good thing is there are so many promises. God has promises that covers every aspect of our life. I have not done the count, but I've read a lot of materials where people have done the count. And the count varies from 3,000 on the low end to 8,000 on the, you know. Some people came up with 3,000 promises in the scripture. Some people have counted 7,000. I think the highest that was counted by a guy called Albert Locker, which a British guy, you know, died many years ago, was 8,000. He actually wrote the book, All the Promises in the Bible. You know, the, so there are enough promises, you know, that we can hang our faith on. There cannot be faith without a promise. Because the strength of our faith rests on the person who made the promise. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor son of man that he should repent. As he said it, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? That is what our faith rests on. The faithfulness of the person that promised. 2 Corinthians 1.20, one of my favorite verses. But no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen, is spoken by us to the glory of God. That is faith. Faith is when we say amen to God's yes. 
when we agree to what God has said, that is when we can develop faith. Praise the name of Jesus. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promise is faithful. I want to let you know, if you have a promise from God, God is faithful to his promise. Abraham held on to the promise, even though he never physically got the goods. But the goods came. I mean, if they can believe God, we can believe God. Praise the name of Jesus. Are you trusting God for something? For a child, for a job, for breakthrough, for your own? Whatever you are trusting God for. I want you to know that God has a promise for that. And you can trust God for his promise. The question is, how many of God's promises do you know? How many? Many of us, we don't even know God's promise. We just think we can use tears to convince God to answer our prayer. Some people think if I go to God, I just cry, 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 cry. He's just going to answer me. God does not respond to cries. Especially cry that is empty. God responds to faith. And faith is based on his promise. I want you to begin to find those promises. What are the needs in your life? What are the things you're trusting God for? Do you have God's promises? You see, prayer is essentially reminding God of God's prom- of his promise. It is not just reminding him of my needs. It is reminding him of his promise concerning my needs, of his promise concerning my life. In fact, I want you to, also, to actually be proactive prayer people. All right? We can claim those promises even when we don't have needs because they are his promise. We don't have to be in trouble before we pray. Many of us just wait until you're in trouble before you pray. And that's why you don't have promise. You're just rolling on the ground. You're crying. You're wailing. You're just saying, why me, God? Please, God, do this for me. You know, no, 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 no. Prayer is taking his word to him and say, God, this is what you said in your word. You know, God told Abraham, I'm going to destroy uh, Sodom, right? And Abraham went to God and said, oh, how about if you can find 50 righteous people? And he started, you know, of course he couldn't find 50. He dropped the number. Couldn't find, dropped the number. Couldn't find, and he gave up. And that prayer wasn't answered. God destroyed. But you know, several times God said he was going to destroy the children of Israel. Moses went to God with his promise. He said, no, 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 this is not what you said. You said you are going to take them. You are going to rescue them and take them to the land of Canaan. If you don't do it, then you look like a liar. And God responded to that. That's to tell you that God responds to his promise. He doesn't just necessarily respond to our emotion. Praise the name of Jesus. So I want to challenge you, have a book of promise. All right? You don't have to know 3,000 or 8,000. You probably don't even need them. If you know 100, wow. I think you will, have, you will be a woman or man of faith. Praise the name of Jesus. So the one element, number one element that we find in faith is the promise. The second element we find out is ability to see. They saw them. 
from afar. Wow. You know, we know the Bible says we walk by faith or we live by faith and not by sight. So faith and sight, those are, they are two different kinds of sight. Sight of sight, sight of faith, right? So which one are you walking with? Amen. Thank you for that. You see, so they saw it. Look, for you to have faith, you must have ability to see in the spirit. You see, when God created us, he didn't just give us physical eyes, he gave us spiritual eyes. The problem is for many of us, even Christians, our spiritual eyes are not open. And that's why one of Apostle Paul's prayer is that the eyes of our heart or eyes of our understanding will be flooded with light in order that you might know. You know, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. But I want all of us to read. I want, no, no, I will just walk you through it. Let me walk it. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart, I want you to see that on the screen, may be enlightened or flooded with light. I pray that God will shine a light on the eyes of your heart in order that you may know, not see, because you don't know until you see in the spirit. You don't really know. Definition of knowledge in the spirit is revelation knowledge. Praise the name of Jesus. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, taste and see. Taste and see. You see, sight is so critical. Ability to see in the spirit is very, very important. In fact, if you're walking by faith, one of the ways you know is God will give you pictures. It will give you imagination. Unless you can convert God's promises to imaginations and pictures, you cannot walk by faith. There's no faith. Unless it can be something you can see. Has God promised you something? Ask him to give you a mental picture of your future. See yourself victorious. See yourself with that child. See yourself with that job. See yourself, you know, in that situation where God has promised you. You must be able to see it. And it must be so strong. You see, one thing about imagination, you begin to enjoy it before you get there. People who have powerful imagination, see, people who have powerful imagination, they are not jealous. You know, you see someone, because you saw yourself, you have seen yourself there. You've seen yourself successful. So other people being successful doesn't miss it. Because you're already enjoying it internally. People might not see it, but you're enjoying it. You see yourself becoming. The Bible says, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him. He saw it. He saw the joy. He saw all of us now. That we're going to mention the name of Jesus. He saw billions of people. They're going to be gathering and calling the name of Jesus every day. He saw the fruit. The Bible says, for that joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Praise the name of Jesus. My question to you is, what do you see with your eyes? Many of us, the enemy has, you know, has darkened our eyes of understanding. We can't see. All we see is negative. All we see is failure. All we see is a life that is not fulfilled. That's not from God. That's not from God. I want us to lift up our eyes. 
Just place your hands on your chest and say, God, let my eyes, let the eyes of my heart, brother, be flooded with light in the mighty name of Jesus. Open my eyes of understanding. Let me be able to see me, see my future the way you see in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. That's a very powerful prayer. The next thing about them, I mean, let me, let me say, Abraham, let me, before I, before I leave this place, they saw it. And the, 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 the most important thing also is he was able to pass that picture to his children. I mean, so Isaac died not having received the promise and passed it to Jacob. I mean, and Jacob believed that strongly that we own this land. And Jacob died, passed it to all his children. This is our land. And the land became theirs eventually. Many thousands of years later. Wow. That is very, very powerful. They did it, but they saw it. May the eyes of your understanding be open in the name of Jesus. The next thing is assurance. Or what I like to call conviction. They were assured of them. You know, from that place, assured of them. I would like us to read Romans chapter 4. I will read from verse 18. Uh, you know, just to highlight that point from verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. All right? Since he was about a hundred years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding what? The promise of God. So the promise of God is what started it, right? God is able to paint that picture to him. And God used different ways to paint the picture to him, all right? So he did not waver, you know, through unbelief concerning the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, all right? And over time, he became strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That's the next one. I mean, we must be fully persuaded that God has power to do what he has promised. I read that in the NIV version. I'll read verse 21 in the New Living Translation. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. I'll read it in American Standard Version. I'm being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able to perform. God is able to do what he promised you. So you are not dealing with a God that is temperamental. He's never in a bad mood. Can you remind your neighbor? God is never in a bad mood. He's actually excited about you. And the good thing about God is he also does not have ability problem. 
You know, I can promise you heaven and earth that I'm going to do something for you. And that ability to do it might be taken away, even though I am sincere, right? Have you been sincerely disappointed by people? They didn't mean to disappoint you, but they, they were so sincere when they, when they made a promise. But the ability wasn't there anymore. In fact, you probably couldn't even go to them anymore because you saw that this is, they, no longer, they are no longer able. I want to assure you, the God who promised is able. You see, our faith is strengthened when we meditate on God's ability we become assured. When we hear testimonies of what God has done for other people, we become assured, right? When we see God works, when we, have, when we study his word and we get a revelation of what he has done or what he's about, we become assured. The Bible says they were assured of them at some point. You see, even Abraham at some point was wishy-washy. Right. His faith went through developmental process. At some point, he would go to God over and over again. The good thing is he went to God. You know, each time he got tired, he said, God, are you sure? And God will give him a revelation. He will have an encounter, and he will leave the place assured. Thank God he didn't go to other people. Many of us, we go to other people to try and confirm what God has said. You know, and they just mess you up. And you give up. You say, you know, this is not going to happen. This is not for me. I want you to be assured that what God has promised, he is able to do. God does not have ability problem. Praise the name of Jesus. Number four is a faith action. I call it a faith action. I mean, this only exists in, I believe, the New King James Version. It doesn't really exist, this phrase. But I love it. That's why I'm using New King James. He said, they embraced them. If you notice, in all these, this is the first action, right? They did something. They embraced. You see? And they took some actions that you know that. So they went in there and built tents. That's a way of embracing the promise. Build a tent and live there. Joseph said, you know what? Go bury me there. Go bury me there. When I die, that's a way of embracing it. Because he knew one day we're going we're to have the land. So my body will not be by stranger. In fact, Abraham bought a, a tomb there, a place where they buried, in Canaan. They go bury me where my fathers were buried. Because they knew that we're going to have that land one day. They embrace them. You see, faith must have a corresponding action to really be a walking faith. Hallelujah. James chapter 2 talks about what does it profit in verse 14. My brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? You see, faith is an action. Yeah, it starts with a thought. It starts in our heart. But if you're a person of faith, there must be a corresponding action. Show me your faith by your action of faith. 
Because he says, faith without works is dead. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Your faith is weak or dead if there is no action. So you must find action that backs up your faith. I remember, I think, uh, one of our sisters shared a testimony. You know, she called me one night, one uh, on Saturday night, that, can I give a testimony tomorrow? This is a very, very powerful thing. On Sunday or Sunday. Can I give a testimony? I think maybe Friday or something, I got a call. I like to give a testimony on Sunday. Oh, okay, we'll put you down. Thankfully, there was space. What I didn't know is the testimony hasn't occurred yet. <laughs> you know, the testimony hasn't occurred yet. I think her mom was trying to get a visa or something. This money was in Oko, and after several denial, so we put her on, on the, and on Sunday, she gave the testimony. And it was a good testimony. Praise the name of Jesus. You see, and that's why, you know, when we pray for people, we say, do something that you've never done before, because there must be action. All right? We know. When you, you know, when you are, you know, you are, you know, you have a back problem, you have a arm, you know, you, you begin to do something. When they pray for the man at the beautiful gates, you know, they pray for him. They say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. They took him and pulled him up because the guy will probably say, I can't walk. <laughs> when you say, rise up and walk, I mean, I told you I can't walk. All right? And they pull him. And as they were pulling him, a strength came. You know, if, if you are believing God for something, ask him or think, what action can I make to show faith? That action will involve some risk, right? Take some risk. Sometimes a risk of embarrassment because you've told everybody about something. Yeah, but he, you know, faith is risk. You know, Randy Clark was the one that said, you know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. That's how you spell faith. It's risk. If you're not willing to take a risk because of your faith, you probably don't really have faith. The faith is air, not here. Faith is of the heart, not of the mind. So if you're not willing to you know, the reason why we don't get a lot of miracles is because we're not willing to risk, risk embarrassment. What if I pray for the person and nothing happens? I remember I was, I was, I took my mom to the, my mom was visiting, I went to the hospital to do tests, you know, one of these clinics. And there's a lady there that was just sitting and was in pain. I was saying, oh, oh, and I was sitting down there and something said, this is a perfect opportunity to just do something. And I said, wow, publicly like that, the receptionist was there. <laughs> it's better done in church. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, I know what to say, right? I mean, and I, you know, I thought about it, I thought, and I said, you know, can I pray for you? You know, she was seriously in pain, moaning, yelling, and I just prayed for her. Where's the problem? And we started to pray, we started to pray. And the receptionist is like, wow, this is awesome. Great. Re- I mean, she's like, this is awesome. I love this. The pain was gone by the time we left the place. Praise the name of Jesus. The pain was gone. 
That's, a, that's an embracing of God's promise. That's a risk you take. All right? You know, for some of you, find corresponding action that supports your faith. One of the corresponding actions for our finances, for example, is to give. Many people can't take the risk of giving. You know, giving is a risk. You know, you take 10% of your income, you just give it, believing God is going to provide. Or you see someone in need, and you just say you give. It's risk. But it's a risk that is based on the premise that God shall supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's nothing more than that. It's not. It's nothing more than that. It's a step of faith that we take. Hallelujah. Embrace. They embrace them. What action is your faith causing you to take? Many of us are lazy when it comes to faith. That's why we don't get a lot of results. We're not taking action. We're just saying, God, come and take me. Come and feed me. God, come and just... If you really want to do the miracle, just I'm going to lay down here. Just come and do it. I told you the story of the laziest man, the guy that won award as the laziest person on earth. Won the Guinness, and they brought him a check, and they knocked into his, on his door. Where's the guy? Oh, yeah, you don't know him. He's lazy. He's always lying down on the beach. And they found him. Sure enough, he was lying on the beach, just lying down and enjoying. And they said, man, you won the award, the laziest person. This is a $100,000 check. And the guy said, oh, that's so nice. Can you just roll me around and put it in my pocket? <laughs> that's how lazy he was. And they're like, wow, you truly deserve the award. What are you trusting God for? I want you to ask yourself, what is a corresponding action of faith that I can put forward that will qualify as embracing God's promise? Don't forget, they embrace the promise. They have a promise. They saw them from afar. They became sure that God is able to do it, and they embrace it. And the last one, number five, is a faith confession. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. They made a confession. Many times, we ruin our faith by our confession. What are you saying with your mouth? Because faith speaks. I want you to turn to your neighbor. Faith speaks. Faith is not dumb. Faith is not dumb. Second Corinthians 4.13 says, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe, therefore we speak. I want you to say, I believe, I believe. Therefore, therefore I speak. I, speak. I, believe, I believe, therefore, therefore. I speak. You must speak what you believe. That's what the scripture says. A closed mouth is a closed destiny. So don't close your mouth. Speak it. The tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs eighteen twenty one, And those who love it will eat the fruit. Now, worst case is some people even speak negative. 
They destroy what God is doing. See, our tongue, especially as believers, is so powerful. Because we are made in God's image, we actually create when we speak. We create. We have the power to create. So you can create a hostile environment by yourself, for yourself, by always speaking hostile things. You can create a favorable environment for yourself by always saying favorable things. You know, some people say, oh, yeah, it's so hard. Life is so hard. Life in the East Coast, oh, ah, it's so tough. It's so hard. And that's why life is hard for them. I mean, they will pray, they will do all those things, but they will go out and say exact opposite. And there are people who live like that. They destroy what God is doing around them. They create very negative energy around them that scuttle what God is doing. Be careful what you say with your mouth. Don't join them. I mean, sometimes it's pressure. You know, people are just talking, oh, yeah, it's so stressful. You know, it's so stressful. I mean, that's why you're stressed. There are a lot of people who are doing more than you who are not stressed. Oh, it's so life is so, oh, yeah. We poor people. Oh, we don't. Uh, this is a poor man's food. Ah, we are eating poor man's food. Why would you be calling yourself a poor man? You know, people, we have these funny talks we do, you know, but they are language that are really demonic. All right? Very, very demonic language. You know, that we just say and we perpetuate it and we say, and you see, demons are familiar spirits. That's why when you go to places, you see common trends. I was reading a book, uh, you know, of somebody from, uh, I believe, Korea, who says something about, he studied the language, the language in South Korea for hundreds of years. They have languages that has to do with death. You know, everything, oh, I'm just going to die. You know, things that casually, people are just going to say, ah, oh, I laughed until I almost died. I mean, people, and he said death was in their history. For those years, war, dying, famine, because everybody was speaking death. And they had to begin to change that. Let's speak life. And as Christians, we even have what to speak. Let's speak the word of God. Let's declare God's word. I shall not die but live to declare the God's glory. I have abundance in Christ Jesus. You know, I am blessed with the heavenly blessings in Christ Jesus. I am victorious in Christ Jesus. He was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. The punishment that brought me peace was upon him. By his stripes, I am healed. I am a child of God, loved by God. I'm the apple of his eyes. He loves me. He cares for me. My future is bright. My future is certain. In the mighty name of Jesus. I am bound to be victorious. I am bound to be prosperous. God supplies all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Say those things to yourself. My children are taught of the Lord and great is their peace. You know, say those things. Don't say negative things to them. It's very, very important. Confession is very important. I'll, I'll, I'll share. I'm out of time, but I'll beg your indulgence. In 2 Kings chapter 7, 
It was a very, very interesting story. Elisha told, uh, he told them by this time tomorrow, right? A share of the finest flour will sell for one shekel. There was, this is, they have been farming now for years. And people are really, really, things are very expensive. And the Bible says, the officer whose hand the king was leaning said to the man, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgate of heaven, this won't happen. What are you talking about? And the prophet said, you see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. That's somebody that just caused, you know, he did not partake because he said something negative. At worst case, don't say anything when you are presented. All right? At worst case, don't say anything. So it's very, very important for you to, 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 to refrain from saying anything negative. All right? Confess the word of God. I want us to rise up and pray. I want us to rise up and pray. And I'm going to take you through an exercise. I'll take you through an exercise. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine, use your imagination. Just close your eyes and use your imagination. Where do you see yourself in the future? Are you trusting God for a child or children? Can you see yourself carrying those children? Are you trusting God for a job? Can you see yourself dressed up, going to the kind of job that you, you want to go to, you want to be? Are you trusting God for some time of outcome, can you just imagine yourself? Can you just, just, just live in that world for a few seconds? Just focus your thoughts. See. See it. If you can't see, just ask God to give you a picture. Ask God to give you an imagination. See it with the eyes of your heart. I want you to say, Lord, I thank you for this future that I'm seeing. I want you to you know, let's, as an action of faith, embrace that future. You can see it, embrace that person you see. Just, just do your hands and, like you are embracing. Just embrace that future that you see. This is the future. This is the future. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, the Bible says you walk with them, confirming their words with signs and wonders. And pray now. Confirm this word with signs and wonders. I want you to fix your eyes on what you're seeing. If you're sick, see yourself healed. If you can't do something now, see yourself doing them. For some of you, I think for somebody here, it's a child that you want to see in a certain position. I want you to see that child doing exactly what you want that child to be doing. Father, I'm asking that your power will flow through this congregation and begin to release supernatural miracles, supernatural activation and realization of those dreams, of those visions in their imagination. Father, I pray testimonies will abound because of this message in the mighty name of Jesus. Before I go to sit, please, all, all, all eyes close. If you're here, you want to give your life to Jesus. You know in your heart you do not have a genuine relationship with Jesus. But you want to walk out of this service different. I want you to raise your right hand. I'd like to pray for you. I don't want you to leave this place without having accepted. Just raise your right hand. 
Raise it well, please. I want to, be, I want to at least note you. All right, anyone, you, have, you do not have a genuine relationship with Jesus, and you want to have it from today. Anyone? Father, thank you. I honor you today. I pray that you will watch over your word to perform it in the lives of your people. As they walk out of this place, there will be testimonies, miracles, signs, and wonders, actualization of dreams and visions in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you because you have answered our prayer. We give you all glory and all honor because we have prayed in Jesus' name. And we put our hands together and give God the glory. Let's keep standing. Let's keep standing.